Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What is going on? Vigor Life Podcast is back, and I'm excited to have uh, somebody on I've been waiting on to have for a while now because, uh, one, he's an awesome coach, uh, awesome app, conjugate programming. This is what I was uh, kind of like, this like dessert right here to, to dive in. <laughs> with none other than Jason Brown on uh, concurrent conjugate training and, and, and a lot more. But uh, welcome to the show, Jason. So so honored and excited to have you on, man. Well, I, I appreciate being on, man. I've uh, followed you for a long time and I've always respected what you do. So it's an honor to be here and uh, I'm excited to, to chat more about this stuff. Hell to, yes. Um, I, you know what I wanted to do for people that have not um, uh, heard about you, which is, is blasphemy, but um, it's... <laughs> it's Kind of died because your story is interesting. I actually heard about you a long time ago from, and um, me and Jay were talking, and it's, it's uh, this is many years ago because mm-hmm. he mentioned you because you were doing conjugate stuff for like the cross for community. Yes. But like that's where I, you know, to just kind of backtrack, I think it's good and important for people to kind of know your background and what your journey was through fitness um, and where you are right now. Cause I think it's going to give a much better kind of um, input and understanding to the programming side of things. Sure. Yeah, no, I think, uh, the, the backstory for me is, um, now being able to look back over the last two decades and, and really understand where I'm at and how I got there, all the pieces to that puzzle lend itself to where you end up going. And I think that there are certainly aspects to my background that I, you know, look back, like I've got a lot of experience with CrossFit and, you know, people obviously, you know, CrossFit is, is kind of hit or miss people in the strength conditioning world, see it one way. And, um, you know, there are people that are CrossFit purists that see it another. And I think that there's certainly something to be gained from any style of training. I think we can all learn things from each other. And for me, it's funny without CrossFit, I never would have went down the rabbit hole of energy systems and the really in particular, the aerobic system. Um, and that's where, you know, getting introduced to people like Joel Jameson, I'm not sure if I would have went that route if CrossFit didn't open my eyes to this whole world that I was really just kind of not well-versed in, didn't really know how it made sense with things like strength training. So um, so all this stuff is certainly very important. So just to kind of give you, like, I guess, kind of a concise timeline, I got involved with a conjugate method. That was my early exposure to strength and conditioning at the facility. I was uh, an athlete. I was working... Uh, going and training at a facility that was for athletes like myself. And I played uh, football and, and, and track in high school and college. So I was working out at a facility and they were using the conjugate system. And it's funny, the coach that I was working with had Louis Simmons DVDs and he'd been to Westside and oh, yes. it was, you know, this, this whole, I, my perception of it then was just completely different than, than what it is now. But you just saw this guy with pit bulls on the cover of a, of a VHS tape, which VHS. I don't know if anyone listening can remember those days, but <laughs> there were things that uh, those were an actual thing that 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 we got our education from back then. Um, so we were using the conjugate system with uh, well, they were using it with all the athletes that trained there, and you know everyone got incredibly strong. I always had the records on my my team for position. I was a running back. I always had squat, bench, power, clean records, and I just over the years, uh, through high school, through college, just kept getting stronger. I never hit 
I, I never hit a wall ever with my training. Um, and you know, through that, um, I actually was introduced to powerlifting at a really young age. My mother was a powerlifter, but I didn't have any introduction to the conjugate method back then. Um, I was always very interested in, in gaining strength and gaining size and just enamored by the bodybuilding scene. And, um, I just kind of organically started coaching people because the, the owner of the facility I was working on, I had to leave for whatever reason. He goes, Hey, I've got a small group of guys coming in. You don't have to do anything. And I was 18 years old at the time. Just said, Hey, you just got to give them their programs. If they ask any questions, just answer their questions. And I'm like, well, shit, how am I going to answer their questions? I don't, I'm not a coach. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and needless to say, you know, the questions that I had, I, I, I had answers to, and I, I didn't even, I kind of surprised myself. And that was at that moment where, you know, I think you have that, that, that turning point where you're like, Hey, this is like something I really like. And maybe I should look into, you know, pursuing further. Um, so needless to say, I worked there as an intern for about five years. And, and again, just really heavily immersed in the conjugate system. And, you know, back then, I don't know if you can remember, but like T-Nation was like the hub of education online. And there was like one article a day where it'd be people like, you know, that in the league. What's that? That in the lead FTS. That in the lead FTS. And it was like Dave Tate. It was Louis Simmons. It was Charles Poliquin. You know, you go down the list of great, great coaches that, uh, you know, we had the privilege to learn from. Um, so I just started reading everything I could on there and uh, eventually became a personal trainer. And this is while I was still in college. After college, I was committed to, to joining the military. And that's what kind of brought me down the rabbit hole of CrossFit. CrossFit was still like in its infancy. It was, there wasn't, you know, many affiliates back then. This was 2006. Um, but there was one guy at the gym that I uh, was a personal trainer at doing CrossFit. And he challenged me to try one of the workouts. And I just thought it was silly. You know, you're doing higher up Olympic lifting. Everything coming from the strength and conditioning world was just, you know, it was unheard of. You never saw anyone doing that stuff. Um, so needless to say, I tried one of the workouts and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm strong, but, uh, that's only takes you so far as far as qualities of fitness go, right? There is a, there is a point where you're going to need to have an aerobic system and I had none. So, um, that to me was very eye opening, and I, as strong as I was, you know, you know, benching in the high threes and squatting over five and deadlifting over five. And like, I've got zero aerobic system. And I didn't know that at the time, but I just knew my conditioning was subpar. Um, so that really kind of sparked some interest into learning more about conditioning. And again, it was still kind of like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of resources back then. There wasn't like you could go on YouTube and watch a million different videos on the aerobic system or, you know, I don't, I, I know Joel didn't have a book out then, but, uh, it, again, it was very early in the going and, um, needless to say, I, you know, I went in the military, did my thing there. And after I got out, you know, I had saved money to open a gym and it just made sense that I'd open a CrossFit affiliate. Cause it was kind of like, you didn't need a whole lot to open one. You needed, yeah. Yeah. you know, a small warehouse space. Um, you didn't need to have a million dollars worth of equipment and anyone could get it going. But my whole premise was, I was going to open a gym, but I liked the fact that I could do it on my own terms. I could write my own programming. I could really kind of have like a hybrid model of both CrossFit with conjugate. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, kind of the thing that I saw was the missing piece from CrossFit was that, you know, you might get better in some areas, but you'd get a lot worse in other areas. And then, you know, you factor that in with just the soreness and um, the repetitive, you know, just kind of 
a lot of work in the same joint, the same shoulder joint work where you're doing kipping pull-ups and overhead press. It's like, you know, there, there is a point of diminishing returns where you're just going to eventually go backwards. And I started to see that, but I knew that if I could kind of synergize both the strength side of things with the conditioning side of things, and maybe I'd have something long story short, it didn't happen that easily or that quickly. I went through, you know, doing a lot of different linear models, um, you know, trying to, to just do use various, uh, templates of programming to get it to work with CrossFit. And I never really had a bulletproof system. Um, and it wasn't until like 2014 where I, uh, talked to a local coach, his athletes were always doing very well in the CrossFit open and they weren't very strong though. So I'm wondering, I'm like, well, what's, you know, what's going on here? Why are they doing so well in the open? And he told me to read ultimate MMA conditioning. <laughs> and that was it. That was the turning point for me where I read that book and it's, it all made sense. It, it, I, I couldn't believe that all these years I hadn't done any zone two work, you know? Um, and that coupled with what I knew about the conjugate system, the two just married together so well, where you could essentially train, you know, both strength and conditioning and seek gains in both areas and not have the two overlap or take away from the, from the other. Uh, so once I started doing that, it was just like I, I, I stumbled upon this like holy grail of training uh, where I could do both. People were getting better. People were, were, were not only getting better results, but um, other gyms started asking about my programming. And, um, you know, that lent itself to a whole new business for me. I started working with CrossFit gyms for their programming. And in a year's time, I was working with 100 gyms. Um, when, you know, when was that? Had, what, what year was that when you started? That was 2000, 2015, right at the end of 2015 okay. into 2016. Um, I started a business called Box Programming. And it was, again, just you know gyms that were looking to outsource their programming. Either A, they didn't have enough time to write their own programming, or B, they didn't really know how to write their programming. I mean, CrossFit doesn't really give you a whole lot there. Um, so I started doing that and, uh, you know, it just took off word of mouth The people were getting just insane results. Um, you know, we were hearing about people hitting hundred pound PRs in their squats and deadlifts all the time. I almost feel like kind of silly saying that I almost feel like it's a gimmick, but we were hearing about that all the time because these people just were not training the right way. And they were trying to burn the candle at both ends. Uh, so the word of mouth of that and like, you know, different Facebook groups, like the CrossFit affiliate owners group just took off. And within 18 months, I had about 200 gyms that I was working with. And for me, it was like, okay, this is its own business. Now I need to make a decision whether or not I'm going to do this and go headlong into this, or am I going to keep kind of trying to split time between owning a gym and working with gyms? So I, I decided I'm going to sell my gym. I had a 200 member, uh, 6,000 square foot gym. We sold our gym basically two weeks time we had it sold and money in hand. And we were, you know, going all in on this online business. And, uh, obviously it, it's changed a lot. I actually don't, I actually sold that business as well. So I only do individual stuff now. Um, but, um, that's kind of the, the quick, I guess, timeline of how I went from, you know, conjugate CrossFit, you know, linear aerobic, conjugate and conditioning and, you know, kind of ended at its final, its final place that it's at right now. Man. Yeah. That, see, that's insightful because and I, I always love the story, you know, from people that, you know, you did it, meaning like did it you, like the real world stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you were doing a lot of it yourself. You had your own gym. Then you started programming for other gyms and you get so much, you know, and even from the beginning, it's like, Hey, I was figuring stuff out. 
and it's like it wasn't working the way that you wanted it to. I mean, that's I, I would say every coach that's gone through a journey that's uh, experimented and learned new stuff and like you do it and you're like, yeah, yeah, not what I thought it was gonna be like, right? But I but here's this little nugget here that I can take with me, um, and it was because it was similar for me when it comes to conjugate training, and I've I've been very fortunate to I've known Joel of uh, I think for 14 years now. Mm-hmm. So it was like when the book came out, uh, I got the book, I think the, the second day it came out, you know, and I'm reading it going like, what the, right? Like where, right. like where, where have I not learned any of this stuff before? And obviously it's, it was a bit of a kind of advantage too, because, uh, for the last, I think decade, you know, we do, uh, Sunday bench night. So, so yeah, right. I'm, I'm always picking the dude's brain, but, but what I wanted to kind of dive into with you first on, on that side of things is like, so gel like gelling those two together and also um from two standpoints one gelling those two together because even today look even today when people are listening to this there's still this idea of you know if you want to get stronger more powerful uh conditioning you know if you're doing xyz type of conditioning or a lot of it might hinder it so i want to touch on that first right uh because unfortunately still people that believe that then you got this this uh if you go on like social media and ig you see a lot of this other post which is like all you got to do is strength training and walk uh and it's like look uh i mean you could do that but for best results in performance body composition or you know the thing that people really want nowadays too is like health and longevity Mm -hmm. uh that's not going to cut it but that's the thing I want to dive into too. Like this marriage of, you know, I mean, the word is strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. but literally like what you were saying, you know, 20 years ago, <laughs> the strength world wasn't doing a lot of conditioning. Right. Uh, you know, how, how did you kind of get the aha moment, but also start gelling it together and the response from the people? Cause that's the other thing. Once you start indoctrinating something new and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What is this? You know, what is it that we're doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously once people start getting results, you know, everybody shuts up and it's fine. <laughs> but but well, how was that it, for you gelling it in? It's funny, you know, I even even we did see it. So at one point I had about forty thousand people a day using my my programming. Yeah. So we had a lot of data points and a lot of feedback. And um, you know, the the hard part for me was with owning the the programming business for gyms was that I would get feedback and, and this is it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I would get feedback from the owner, I would get feedback from the coaches. And then sometimes I get feedback from their clients. And interestingly enough, some of these people have that have come to me and become clients of mine were at gyms that used my programming, which That's is so cool, you know, kind of funny. But uh, needless to say, there was a lot of pushback. Um, we, you know, the my programming for a CrossFit gym, if you looked at it, you'd probably think, wow, this is, it, it probably looks similar to your group model. I mean, we did, a lot of accessory work. We did a lot of GPP based, a lot of sled pushes, loaded carries. We did zone two work. I had to find ways to trick people into doing zone two work. So the, yep. it would never be straight cyclical work, you know, straight no, cardiac no. output method. It'd be, you know, I would do like a 30 minute EMOM with, with five different movements and, yep. you know, there'd be some body weight. There might be some light kettlebell. It would, we would find ways to keep it interesting. Um, so, you know, I would oftentimes get gym owners saying, well, my clients hit PRs, they're feel, they say, they admit that they feel better, but they still don't think the training's hard enough. <laughs> they're not sore enough. And, you know, obviously now we know, you know, I, we know a lot more now than even back then, um, yeah. as far as supported research. And I don't think 
I'm not a big research guy. I, I think that social media has become very reliant on research. And, you know, I, I remember Charles Falcon always saying that he was always ahead of research and that a lot of research is bullshit and studies are very hard to conduct. So I'm not all in on research all the time, but I do think that there is some legitimacy to things like hypertrophy and um, understanding, you know, the, the correlation between soreness and how much soreness is, is, is too much and how much is the right amount. Um, so, you know, trying to get buy-in on that stuff was, was very hard. And honestly, that was the catalyst for me, you know, basically making a shift with my own brand, selling that business and, and starting Jason Brown coaching and only doing, you know, working with individuals, um, because I have zero pushback. I've got a subscription right now that we just launched 90 days ago. We've got 400 people on it. We do zone two work every single week, never get pushback ever. Because again, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a big believer results are king. Um, and because I spend time educating people and, you know, one of the things I learned when I owned that business, Luca, was that if I had a question, instead of just answering the question, I would say, okay, well, I'm just going to write an article. Mm -hmm. Hey, why are we doing sleds and loaded carries all the time? Well, I'm just going to write an article about it. So I wrote articles about everything. And, you know, lo and behold, a thousand articles later, you know, people can just read this stuff. And some of these people that end up coming to me have read the articles. They have, you know, seen the, the, the various pieces of content I put out that support that. So the work, the kind of the legwork has already been done where, you know, again, I'm not talking about things that are unfounded. We, we know that certain things do, you know, we know zone two work is going to allow you to recover better. It's going to build your aerobic system. It has, um, you know, a lot of value on, uh, how long you live. It's literally the only form of training that we can say will make you live longer. Um, so, so that stuff has been proven. And I think that smart people that have been training for a long period of time and have been there and done that are starting to dig deeper and, and learn what it is they need. Because again, these are people that want to train for the rest of their lives. They're not looking for like the short-term fix. They want to train forever. So, um, you know, I don't know if that even answers the, the original question, but no, it does. Actually, there's, yeah. there's, there's a lot to, there's a couple of points I wanted to unpack that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to work backwards, but one of them that you just mentioned for any coach that's listening, you know, that's so smart and you put in the legwork and you're talking about a thousand articles now, but mm -hmm. This is, I, I think, a missing link a lot of times. I tell coaches, like, look, when you get questions about stuff, create content that answers them. And that content lives forever. Now, if you want to, you know, if, uh, if you love writing, write. If you love doing, um, I like both, but I do a yeah. shit ton of video. But same thing, like, some things probably better answered in videos. Some things better answered in longer articles. And because the thing is, as you were doing that, when people were reading it, they're like, oh, man, this is the guy I want to train with. Mm -hmm. and, that, and now you've built this business on the back end. So I think that's a really, really important part of it. Uh, number two is that, you know, this was always my thing too, where um, how do you put something and package it in a way that people will consume it? So for example, right, zone two cardio, uh, you know, should I have a class and go like, right, everybody jump on a bike, we're going to do 45 minutes of, you know, being a 130 to 150 range, three, two, yeah. one, go. It's like, I don't want to fucking come to this class, right? Yeah, exactly. But if you go, hey, you know, we got eight minutes of multi-directional sled. Okay, you're doing these uh, mobility movements at a little bit faster pace. You're on the bike. We're going to do some med ball throws at like lower intensities. And we're rotating that. Like now all of a sudden it's a class. It becomes fun. You explain why obviously 
you're doing it, people at the end are like, oh, I feel refreshed. And if they understand, but they got to understand it. And sure. again, like you have to educate the client about why your system is the, the better system. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, it becomes inefficient if you have to do that one by one every time. So how are you going right. to do it? Well, share it through, through content. I mean, even like I said, podcasts like this, like you're, you're, you're sharing and educating to where people have the aha moment. And so I, I think you answered it, you know, perfectly as far as you have to indoctrinate because, because there's a lot of things that i think are great things. For instance, take, um, you know, FRC, for instance, right. A functional range conditioning mobility stuff. You know, we, what we started doing was we call it a rebound, uh, class, right. Which is the rebound is really what Joel kind of termed, but we do Mm -hmm. mobility for about 25 minutes. Then we do aerobic capacity work and then we're done. Right. And and we follow that model because it was like, let's put it in a class where people actually get coached and taken through it and they'll have a recovery day. Cause if we give them stuff to do, they're not doing it by themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And it took me, you know, it, I had to figure it out for a while to like, how do we actually do that? And then we just started making it part of the weekly schedule, you know, and, or we started doing Morpheus on a big screen. Right. So of course you mm-hmm. can't make anybody do it, but it was helpful when people start getting bands and some folks are up on the screen and you go like, Hey, Hey, l- listen, bring your intensity down a little bit. I want you at the top of the green and then, and people are like, Hey, what's that? Boom. You know, opportunity yes. to educate. And you start going like, hey, you're gonna, if you constantly go like this in the red, you're going to crash and not get results. You're going to burn out your strength levels. aren't going to be good the next day when you got strength training. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that, you know, sometimes it's more difficult, uh, like the, the, the science, right. It's like the, the, the theory is like, Hey, like this works. Okay. Awesome. But how do you actually get people to do it? I think that's where the magic happens, right? I, I would agree. And I think that that's the psychology is an important piece of the puzzle because we know that, you know, there, there's research that supports doing the same exercises for 12 weeks at a time. Now, can you get results doing the same stuff for 12 weeks? Sure. Mentally, are you going to want to do, I, I, I can tell you right now, I don't want to do the same exercise for 12 weeks. I don't care how great it is. At the end of the day, I need to want to do the training. I need to be able to, you know, have higher levels of compliance to the training. And, you know, for most people I work with, those people that are type A like myself, four weeks is the magic number. We do the same variations for four weeks. We progress them over four weeks. But after four weeks, we're going to be on. And you know what? The variations the next four weeks might look very similar. But they're going to be different enough to, again, you know, keep people feeling like there's some level of novelty there but not so much so that we are missing the boat on progression. We're missing the boat on improving motor patterns. Um, so I, I always think that the psychology piece is super, super important. And that's honestly, I think my, you know, trying to um, indoctrinate people that came from CrossFit was such a challenge, but in the same way, it helped me because um, it, it gave me that added uh, I guess, incentive to want to educate. And that is how you get the buy-in. And if a client thinks that there's no rhyme and reason, people are, people are not as dumb as people think. They think that, oh, they're not going to even know the difference. They will know the difference. And when you take the time to explain to them the difference or, or you give them some of your supported uh, content that, that shows and tells them why they're doing it, I think that it's even, it's even more beneficial and you're going to have a client much longer than you would 
if they went down the street and they went to Joe Schmo's training facility and they're just doing random workouts every day, how, how can you explain like someone that's doing random workouts every day? I would love to say, tell me why you're doing random workouts every day and hear that response. Cause I would, I would, I think, I think I'd find it very interesting to hear. Well, you know, it's, it's what it's muscle confusion. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. man. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's what I, I think the great part of, t- you know, for today, for coaches that are doing the right things, they have their heart in it. They're, they want to get better. They're about the education, obviously that, you know, if you can answer the whys and, and to me, answering the whys is, is very simple. Like if you're the person locally, I'm just going to talk about like, you know, whether it's online, but like, let's just say brick and mortarish, right? Yeah. Because, because it's a smaller area. You don't have to convince, you know, as many people. It's like you have this local community. And if you're the person that's going around and creating content that people see on social media or you're doing, you know, I started doing like 13 years ago, seminars just in-house. Mm-hmm. And we'd have workshops on different stuff on how to do, you know, how to do the basic lifts and mobility. And then it'd be, obviously we did a lot of nutrition stuff and lifestyle and sleep, but it, it's people starting educated on this stuff. And they tell other folks, Oh, like I want, my coach told me this and he broke it down and explained it. And that kind of keeps going along. Now, mm-hmm. if you got this other person, there's no content, you know, there's no why it's just like, yeah, this is a hard workout, right? Like it's, Hey, I, I crank the music. I turn up the energy. I crush you. Right. You can only get by with that for so long right? Before, I, like, I would say the education information comes out. And especially if you can do it in an um, entertaining enough way, right? I think right. that's that's another part is like, you, you got to be a good communicator and, and be charismatic enough to deliver it. But I think that's a, a superpower, right? Because you could have somebody that's, you know, 10 times geekier than you. Sure. And, you know, you're good at what you do, but you're very good at implementing, communicating, you're probably going to win, which, again, I think it's the, the key is to kind of gel both. Hey, mm-hmm. continue to learn, be great at what you do um, and become great at communicating it. But in this day and age, you know, there's, I think people that are listening should look at themselves and go like, Hey, how much of that am I doing? Because if you're not like you have, I mean, just a massive upside to educate your audience and it's going to help you. And I mean, it's going to get you better results in buying, but mm-hmm. it's going to get you more clients as well. Um, yeah, without a doubt. And I think too, like in this day and age with just, the shift to online and the online space is predicted to grow 10 X in the next five years. But, you know, one of the things that economists have, have have stated is that they're going to face the same issue that brick and mortar gyms face. And that's retention. So if you're going to retain a client, like anyone can get anyone results for two, three, four, even six months. Yep. But can you get your clients results for years to come? I think that is a bigger question. You need to have more tools in the toolbox. You need to be, you need to be putting out content that supports what you do. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that like, I, I'm kind of on the fence, like before and after pictures, I think are great, but, uh, I, I love, don't I love post a lot of, what's that? I said, I love you brought this up. I'm going to let you finish because I, want to I, 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 you know, it's, it's one of those tricky things where I, I, I don't know if I love, I don't love posting before and after pictures. And I, I know that there is a place and I think there's a time and a place for it. Like yep. if you look at like Jay Ferrugia, he's clearly been doing great things for a very long time. You go to his website, he has got like hundreds of before and afters. And I think that's the right place for that. But the question is, is the right place on your social media feed? Um, I don't have an answer to that. I think that 
for me personally, I'm more comfortable just, again, building value, giving free value. Um, you know, I send, you know, I send a lot of free, free stuff out to my mailing list, uh, every week. So I think the question becomes with this shift that we are, we're, we're in the, we're in the midst of it right now. It's happening. People are shifting to online. Um, and the online market is already flooded. But it's going to be a lot more flooded. How do you separate yourself? And how do you, you know, how do you get off that, that, uh, client acquisition, like hamster wheel where you're doing sales calls? Cause I know that I don't want to do sales calls. I love, I've got great clients. I work with people one-on-one and, um, you know, I, I obviously sell programs and, and have, you know, lower price point subscriptions and all of those are, you know, support themselves, but they support themselves through the content. They support themselves through the education. Um, they don't support themselves through really through the before and after, to be honest, because a lot of people that come to me for one-on-one, even the people that I work with very closely that, that pay a premium, they more than likely, they usually come from something they've read or they saw something or they've been like hanging out in the, in the, in the background for a while seeing what I've been doing. And they're like, you know what, man, like what you put out really resonates with me. And I, I think, you know, it'd be a good fit to work with you as my coach. Um, See, this, I, that, this is that's a, what I hear usually. Yeah. And, and that's the highest form of like a long time ago, Frank Kern taught me that kind of like there's three levels of influence, right? One is the things you say about yourself. Like, Hey, I'm Jason Brown. I'm awesome. I can help you. I'm the best coach, right? It doesn't do that well. Uh, the second one's what other people say about you. Very important. That's your mm-hmm. testimonials, your success stories, uh, before and after pictures too. But I, I don't give them as much merit as, as I used to for sure. But number three, and this is what you're doing. And this is what I try to do every day is you demonstrate, right? You demonstrate value. And mm-hmm. if you, you know, and, and examples of that would be you write an article about, you know, zone two and how to make it, uh, cooler and better and like more kind of, kind of exciting and obviously the benefits of it. And somebody goes and does it. I, I that article. sounds like a good joint article for us right there. Okay, you know, yeah, like I've got plenty of articles about zone two, but like, how do you, how do you make it? So it's more fun. So it's not boring, but anyway, not to, I'm, to, yeah, I'm gonna to put you. a mental note on that. So that we yeah, do that. Exactly. Um, but they go and do it and they go like, okay, damn, like I'm not beat up. I feel great after that training session. And I wasn't boring. I can do this once to twice a week. Yeah, right? sure. That, so they, they got value from you, but you demonstrated it. You know, somebody sees a video of like, I do this a lot because I had a really bad back injury about 15 years ago. You know, it's like, hey, here's six things I do every day. My back feels great after I do them, right? Somebody sees the video, their back's bugging them. They do two, three drills. They go, holy shit, my back doesn't bug me now anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, or 70% less, like that actually worked. So that's demonstrating value ahead of time, as it's called it results in advance. If you keep doing that, that's going to do way better than like, here's a before and after picture. Because there's all, to me, there's always, there's a before and after, and there's a before, after, after. You know sure. what I mean? I could yeah. do a challenge right now, and in, you know, eight to 12 weeks, I get like 20, 30 kind of crazy before and afters. But, you know, what are they going to do afterwards? And I think even like when you post the text that you're getting, you know, that's like real stuff. Like people are PRing, they're feeling better. They're, you know, they're moving better. Like, hey, man, like I'm not burnt out anymore. I, I think those are big success stories that people want to see too. And so that that's where I'm not against them. I think, like you said, there's a place to go where it's just like, hey, listen, by the way, right? If you, if you want to see a hundred of them, you can click here and check them out. But here's an article like of how we get there. Right. right? And so I, I think that's a really, really important um, piece of it that is why you've been successful. And the thing is, 
if you just see a before and after picture, you don't know about, uh, you know, your story, your philosophy, uh, actual educational piece of like, this is what we do and how we do it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the key is to actually give away as much behind the scenes as possible because um, that's the other thing. And I can't even remember who I learned this from, but it was, it was like, if you give everything away, right? What happens is that a person, number one, believes that you're very confident about what you do, right? You're like, shit, this guy's giving it away. Yeah. Number two, they'll try to do it. And 99% of the time, they probably won't be able to do it. And, and I'm not saying that any other way that it's, there's a lot more to it. Behavior changes yeah. is challenging. You need the proper environments and guidance. But guess who they're going to reach out to, right? Mm-hmm. You, right? You're, you're giving it all the way. So that, I think this is a, a, a thing that I really try to hammer in to coaches, you know, because folks will still say stuff like, oh, man, like, no, like uh, people have to pay for that. I'm like, look, are you really known? Like, man, what? Give, give this stuff away. Educate the masses. Like, give value. I promise you, like, they'll come to you. You know what I mean? I I agree wholeheartedly. And honestly, I think that um, I heard a, a quote not that long ago. I can't remember from who. My wife um, heard it somewhere, and she told me that you're, you know, if you're giving away so much that it almost makes you want to puke, <laughs> then you're doing it right. And you know, I think uh, another quote I heard was, you know, your 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 marketing should serve. I hate to paraphrase this one, but it's should, basically you should be serving. You know, your marketing should serve 10, 10 times the amount of people you actually serve. So, like again, in oh, essence, yeah. you're giving away so much free volume. We just gave away uh, thirty. You know, I've got uh, in my course. There's a a hundred plus pages of uh, just templates and, and sample programming. We just yep. gave away 28 pages of the hundred, I think 120 pages. Um, so the first like 30 pages of it to my mailing list, um, you know, yeah, and it's, you know, it's one of those things that I think that not like the young coach that's, that's new to the, maybe the, the online space would say like, again, exactly what you said, like they should pay for it and it should be giving this away. But I think that the the hidden message and the lesson to be learned there is that people are more compelled to, to buy from you when you've given them away, when you've given more content away, whether it be a free program, a download, or whatever the case may be. And if you're continuously doing that, then you know I I do believe that that stuff comes back around. Um, I I'm actually in the first year of you know I've been online since 2016, and and specifically for individuals since, you know, more along like 2017, 2018. And, um, I didn't always sell a lot of programs, but now because of the content and all the free stuff, it's starting the goodwill. It's like starting to pile up. So I'm always surprised every month when my wife gives me the numbers, like how many programs we sold on. I don't really keep a huge pulse on it. Um, but I'm always surprised because we don't do a whole lot. We don't do a whole lot of, you know, paid marketing and, uh, things like that. So it's it's usually just people coming to my site for an article. And, you know, at this point, we get a lot of traffic. So people are buying programs. And it's again, it's not something that there was like a marketing strategy. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to do this. It was just over time, you know, accumulating that that goodwill that that stuff has started to pay off. And, and uh, you know, I think that's the bigger picture that I, you know, more people need to be thinking about versus just like the short term, gain that you might see if you don't give something away, maybe you sell it. Well, what's the cost long-term of, of that? Um, 
how is it going to help your business long-term? Yeah. And, and there's, you know, um, there's kind of like, I, I also teach this in on, on a business side of things. You kind of got three ways that you can get clients, right? One is paid, ad, paid advertising, which I'm, you know, I'm for it again. Like if you want to scale, uh, but you know, you do need, first of all, you need money, you need skills, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's copywriting, VSLs, you know, building stuff again, it's, it's its own pocket. I think that these other two are the things that most people should start with. So, you know, the second one is kind of like something that gets people to raise a hand right now, whether it's an offer, whether it's like a, you know, five, one, sixty post, like, Hey, I'm looking for five guys for this, that, the other, like some specific offer, which again, it's got its place, but that's not a, you know, long-term business model. Mm-hmm. But the third one is the one that people should invest in every day. Now that's the longer term strategy. That's not going to get you people today. It's exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. which is delivering valuable content, right? Being connecting with people. And also, even if you're on social media, it's just, if you want to build like a higher ticket uh, coaching business, responding and communicating, having conversations, right? Now, the thing is that that's not going to be like, you're going to get 11 clients by next week. That's, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen, but it compounds. It right, does. because the consistency compounds, and after months and years, let alone years, now you've got this foundation where you're like, oh man, we're just generating clients and leads. I don't even know where they're coming from, but they've probably been reading a bunch of your thousand articles, right? And I, like I know for me, like the, the the things I invest in, and I don't know, like on the digital marketer side, which is a, a, a great company, and you know what they started, they were just putting out articles that were so in depth and so good. I mean, you'd pay for it. Right. And you, you just go through that stuff like, Oh, this is so good. Then they launch a little thing that's, you know, a tripwire for 17 bucks. Right. You get that for 17 bucks. Wow. Okay. This is pretty damn good. Then you got the thousand dollar course. You're like, well, I'm going to get that and dive into this. Mm-hmm. Right. But it all started with, I'd go through their free stuff and I'd go, this is so good. Like I'm, I'm going to pay for this and, and obviously get way more value from it. But, I think that's how everything begins. And it's such a good point that, you know, you're doing that and it's kind of like some things are accidental, but you just, you know, you were just giving it away. Um, with, with, with that said, I want to, I want to dive into this for, for sure, which is the, put it this way. I, I want to kind of go like for the, uh, you know, talk about conjugate training mm-hmm. when it comes to um, not, not necessarily even just general population, but how it can be used with, anybody. Right. And then, and I want to kind of riff on, look, I, I would call myself, uh, you know, I've been training since I was 14, lifting since I was 14 years old. So that's going to be, you know, coming up on 30 years. And, uh, and probably I would say that 20, 20 plus of years of that has just been conjugate. Right. Yeah. Once I figured out this is the way to go, at least, at least for myself, but you know, even when you get a, a, a new, well, let's actually, let's touch on for everybody that, that doesn't, kind of know what it is mm-hmm. um what is conjugate training the simple explanation of it for a coach and even for like i said anybody a fitness enthusiast that's listening to this show uh to get a better better idea of it yeah i mean conjugate training is essentially the word conjugate means joined together so you have multiple types of training joined together now what you join together is i think the beauty of the system because if we think about a classic you know louis simmons west side barbell conjugate model you have multiple types of strength joined together. So we think about things like maximal strength. We think about things like explosive strength. They're on different ends of the spectrum, right? And then within that, you have things like general physical preparedness, our our GPP, the base of our fitness. And we develop that 
a variety of ways. Now, again, traditional conjugate would be more pulling sleds, loaded carries, high rep band work, um, even doing some extra work, uh, you know, accessory work for a lagging muscle group or, or some type of weakness that may exist. Um, now, that is one model of it where we, you know, anyone listening that's heard of conjugates probably heard of max effort method. They've heard of dynamic effort method. Um, you know, they've, they've probably heard of repeated effort method. And then you can get more granular and have more nuances to it, of course. But just overall, those are the things I think that most people that are listening probably associate the conjugate method with. And, and of course, Westside Barbell and, you know, big power lifters. So I think the cool, the really the coolest part and the most applicable part to the most people is the fact that we can join together many different things, right? And, and we've obviously talked already about the aerobic system and doing things like the cardiac output method, which for anyone listening is merely zone two, um, you know, cyclical work, you know, so ride a bike, get on a rower, uh, get on a, a, a treadmill at a steady state, 60 to 70% of max heart rate for 30 minutes or more. Um, that's kind of like the traditional definition of that. Now we can use some of that stuff within our conjugate programming and have it essentially bridge the gap between our strength sessions. And that's what I think is more applicable to more people. If we think about most people, even people that were athletes, people like me and you are athletes, um, you know, we competed at various levels and, and, uh, you know, even like competing in things like CrossFit for myself after I was an athlete. Um, I was kind of the everyday athlete at that point where I was still trying to, you know, a lot of people that do CrossFit, they're trying to maintain some level of competitiveness. And I think that's probably the biggest draw is like, Oh, okay. We found a way to make exercise competitive. So now we're competing against our peers, whether it be for load, it be for score, it be for time. There's something that we can, that's tangible that we can track and compete on. And, uh, for me, that was it. I was, I was, I was hooked because I wanted to compete still. Um, and lo and behold, there's a lot that goes into that because we, we, we have various qualities of fitness that need to be developed. And I think at the, at the base of it is the aerobic system. We need to have an aerobic system, um, to do well in things like CrossFit and really to do well, I think in anything, it, it's going to really afford you the ability to do a lot more things if you have an intact aerobic system. So when I think about conjugate, I think about just that marriage between both our strength development and our conditioning and done so in a way that we don't have, we're not going into a strength session where there is already a caveat like, oh, well, I just did um, you know, a half marathon yesterday so I'm pretty sore and I'm probably not going to do well on my 5RM front squat today. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, right? If you put in that much running volume, it's probably going to take away for, from something. And that's kind of that, that battle that exists when people try to train to extremes, whether it be CrossFit or it be, uh, you know, endurance training or it be even just maximal strength work in a linear fashion. Um, there is some give and take there. So uh, the better option for me and how I see it and how we've utilized it over the, you know, almost, almost now, you know, going into a decade is, is having, um, those sessions really kind of synergistically work together where we're mindful of the fact that, you know, you, you gotta have, a, you gotta have conditioning. I mean, it, it's not strength and conditioning, it's conditioning and strength in my mind. Uh, yep. and I, I, you know, was, 
at one point considered myself more of a strength person, but at this stage of the game, I think that they're, they're equal parts. I think you need both. Um, so, you know, and having that relationship between, okay, well, what do most people want these days? Well, they want to look good and feel good. They want to be able to have a high quality of life outside of the gym, energy levels, play with their kids. Um, and I, and I would even go as far as saying that having explosive strength as I've gotten older has still been important. Oh, I have cannot even tell you how many times I've had to spring into action. I've got three young kids and I have a, my son is my youngest. He's three years old. He is, he will run, will run through a wall if you ask him to. Um, so he is always doing things that he shouldn't be doing and going places <laughs> he shouldn't go. I have sprung into action more times than I can recall. Um, whether it be him running, into the street or whatever the case may be. And I'm, uh, you know, it, it always, I always kind of laugh because I'm, I'm still pretty explosive and, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. I'm still pretty explosive as I, um, have gotten older, but I still use it. Right. It's, it's not one of those things that I'm like, Oh, like, why am I training this quality? It has a value. And then physiologically, we know that type two, type two fibers deteriorate with age. And, you know, we can, we can certainly slow down that process and have it have a cascade of effects with things like our hormonal profile. So, um, I, I think it, it is an incredible system to b- basically keep things interesting, which is, I think the first and yes. foremost thing that t- type a people need to be interested in what they're doing. If you're asking someone to do the same training program for 12 weeks and it's a linear cycle and you're trying to develop maximal strength, well, why are they doing that in the first place? Do they really need to do that? And is it more fun to train a multimodality system that still gives you the biggest bang for the buck? And it's not that that double-edged sword where you're, you know, in an effort to gain just maximal strength, you lose conditioning or you lose hypertrophy and again, in an effort to gain power, you lose again, endurance, you lose hypertrophy. So when you can train all those qualities in a way that you're seeing incremental progress across the board, I think it makes more sense. And I think that the, again, that psychological piece is very, very important. You got to be able to do something foresee yourself doing it for the rest of your life. If you can't, then it's probably a time to start asking, well, what can I see myself doing for the rest of my life? And if it's not what you're currently doing, then it might be time to go back to the drawing board. And so this is like one of the things obviously that attracts me to it, but not only attracts me to it with time now and, you know, coaching so many people, you recognize that people enjoy this and no matter what they said that their goal was now, we could get geeky and um, you know, I, I was just in New York speaking about this kind of like athlete for life model, which is based on a conjugate model for me and, mm-hmm. and, you know, how, how we do explosive training with everybody. Now it looks different. And I had like videos of, you know, seven year old doing slams and throws and, you know what I mean? Like foot fire that was maybe fast for some, but it was fast for them to, you know, younger folks, to people with hip replacements. I mean, it was like across the board mm-hmm. and you always, the thing is one, I said, look at their faces that they never look like, uh, right? They're, they're, there's kind of almost like this play aspect. I'm like, hey, listen, if you pop the ball, like I'll pay you. You don't have to pay me, right? right. And, and so, you know, they are more excited about it because I think that everybody has this innate kind of um, inside desire to be an athlete. But, you know, then there's this whole other aspect. Like you said, the stats of, are actually crazy. You know, after age 50, one out of three people that fall break their hip crazy stat. And if you break yes. your hip, it it's um like the I think mortality if you're after 60 is like you got one year to live. It's crazy, right? Yeah. yeah By 2030, sure. I said every seven minutes a person's gonna die because they fell. These are all, you know, if you look at kind of older population, these are all things that 
can be resolved by training, explosiveness, agility, speed, reactivity, mm-hmm. right? So the, the reasons for it are, are so many. But then what you said too, was like, you got to sprint after your kid. You want to go play pick up basketball and not, you know, tear something because you're not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Like these are all real things. And then there's a whole other aspect of it, which, you know, I just think through experience, um, you know, I've, I've kind of found that, look, you can create more, if you take a weight and you lift it faster, you might be able to create more force than if you take a heavier weight and lift a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. And having that mix within a week that actually gels together makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, we're still lifting heavy. We're lifting explosively. We're doing the pump work, you know, bodybuilding style. You sure. can still have conditioning. I think that was such a big kind of um, question for most folks. Just like, hold up. So you can do all of this and it doesn't interfere. You know, we know the interference effect now is not what was was taught back in the day. Right. Um, and that cardio, I mean, essentially can help you develop a lot of these properties because you can recover faster. You know, you're not going to have as much inflammation. Um, you got more mitochondria. I mean, there's still a lot of things that we're just learning now. But one thing's for sure. If you are not pushing to the fringes of something, meaning you know, bodybuilding, get as huge as you can possibly get, you know, uh, endurance runner, hundred miles, uh, you know, who knows what else, you know, this system works for pretty much just about everybody. And I, and I would even say that you can make the system work even for those people on the fringes. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. I, I think that the, the utility of it and how many people can, can derive benefits from it. it, it, There, there's certainly a lot of people. Now I do think that there's, there's obviously always exceptions to the rules. And there are, there are certain cases that would dictate maybe a a different approach, um, based on, you know, if I have someone that can only train two times a week, does conjugate the right method. I mean, there's going to be elements in their training, but I would say, you know, at that, in that particular situation, a full body approach would be the best route to go. I mean, they've got two uh, sessions to devote to their strength work. Um, but, but I think that, you know, you hit the nail on the head with that some, you know, almost everyone wants to maintain some level of, of, uh, athletic ability. And, um, you know, what, what does that translate to? Did that translates to your posture, your quality of life, how you feel, how you look, obviously, um, you know, body composition. I mean, I think that everyone, I don't know many people that don't want to look better and there are many things that we can do to get you there, but, um, the, all those things need to communicate. And, you know, if, if I have a guy that has an incredibly high resting heart rate, he's got no aerobic fitness and he's got a high stress job and he's not sleeping well and he's not eating well, then is more intensity going to be the answer for a guy like that? Probably not. Um, we might have to go the opposite end of the spectrum where we, we really downregulate, um, his nervous system and get him, you know, to do more restorative things. But I think that the amount of people that fit well into that style of training is, 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 is very big. And I, I do see a lot of people, most people that come to me have experience with CrossFit. Um, so I, I think, and you, you said something that, well, what are they, what are their looks like in their face? I know so many people that come in, you know, we're talking thousands of people. We're not talking just like a few people that I met over the last couple of years, thousands of people that say, Hey, I don't want to do Olympic lifting anymore. I don't want to snatch anymore. It's like, and some of them aren't really cut out to do that anyways. Um, and I, I, of course I think that's, that could be like, it's a whole other conversation about things that 
people are doing at functional fitness facilities and, and do they need to snatch Do they need to clean and jerk? Do they need to, you know, do higher skill gymnastics? And again, the question always has to come back to, does it support their goals and needs? And if it doesn't check those boxes, then I, I don't know why you would utilize such modalities, especially if there is a massive learning curve and potentially, you know, room to, to get them hurt. If you get someone hurt, then forget about it. You're going to be out of business quick. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a, a question for you, uh, for you too, just your approach to this, right? Because I, I think, of course, what happens is when you take some type of methodology, right? When you look at conjugate, for instance, and for anybody who's been around, you know, and learned it from same thing. I was learning from Louis back in the day and AJ Roberts is a great friend of mine. And, you know, he was basically at the top of the game when I met him. So I got that deep dive into how that looks like. And, but then you start, you know, of course, going like, okay, well, no, everybody's going to barbell deadlift. People are going to barbell back squat. People are going to, mm. but you, you know, once you go like, hold on, that's if they do the comp, nobody, you know, most people are not going to do the competition. So what now, and then you start, you know, I, I started seeing a lot of different angles from you could do max strength where it was so many different things. Um, how do you approach it when you get folks there, like either beat up, you know, um, and how do you replace the lifts? And also, I mean, whether it's beat up or just them saying like, Hey, I, I want to get stronger. So they're not saying I want to get stronger to barbell back squat. I just want to get stronger legs. I want to get stronger upper body. What are some shifts that, you know, did you actually have to make too? like moving from that? Uh, I, I guess the world of CrossFit where there is a lot of these different lifts that maybe aren't the best fit. Yeah. I think that the, I mean, removing Olympic lifting was, is an easy, was an easy thing because Again, it doesn't check the boxes for me and who needs it? Olympic lifters and CrossFitters. So if you want to be a competitive CrossFit athlete, then probably shouldn't come work with me. Right. So I think that, you know, if we're, we're even thinking about the coaches that are, are trying to get the right clients. You have to be very clear about who your ideal client is. My ideal client is not a 20 something year old CrossFit, like competitive CrossFit athlete. I've worked with them it's, it's not my ideal client anymore. I, I tend to work with people that are older that are in their thirties. Um, and that don't want to do that stuff anymore. So, um, so that's an easy thing to just, again, kind of scrap. So we don't do Olympic lifting. We don't do, I honestly never really programmed a ton of kipping, even in my CrossFit programming days. Um, it was always more strict work. It was always more, uh, horizontal rowing versus vertical pulling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's just, something that was a non-negotiable. And, and, you know, if you can't do a strict pull-up, you shouldn't do a kipping pull-up. That was again, another no brainer. Now, you know, things like if we get into more conjugate things, like things like the max effort method, um, and even things like the dynamic effort method, there, there's, there's certainly some questions to ask whether or not it's prudent to have max effort training as a mainstay. And I think that what I've seen in my own experience is that we can derive a lot of the same benefits from sub-maximal effort. So a multiple rep max, like a two, anywhere, you know, typically in the two to six RM range is, is usually where we'd fall. But another thing I like doing is using some different methods in there too, like things like cluster sets um, mm -hmm. and wave loading. So we're not limited just to one method. And again, it's another thing that's beautiful about the conjugate system is that, you know, you're not bound to any one way of thinking. If you want to sub in, a multiple rep max for a bilateral lift on a max effort day, you could, if you wanted to forego doing dynamic effort training and, you know, make 
you know, more plyometrics, the mainstay in your speed day, you could, you can't, you could, and you can't, I mean, that it sounds like kind of what you're doing. I I've seen that dynamic effort training is, and in, in particular speed strength work is very hard to translate with distance. So unless I'm there training you in person, it's very hard to get yeah. someone to do that stuff because you have a lot of variables. You've got the setup, you've got, if you're using accommodating resistance, which is in my mind, you know, a, a very much a vital part of doing it correctly. Yep. Um, you got the setup, you've got the execution, you know, now we've got potentially, we got to make adjustments to loading because it doesn't take into account individual muscle fiber type. So someone that's very, very explosive will do fine with a standard 50% of bar weight and 25% of accommodating resistance. Whereas someone that's very slow twitch might need 40, might even need lower. Yeah. So that's one of the ones that I found to be, be tough to translate. Um, but it's, I've found that, you know, repeated effort, submaximal effort method and explosive strength, whether it be, you know, some type of plyometric, plyo pushup, seated jump, um, you know, a ver- I mean, just an endless amount of variations. Yep. If you ask someone to jump to a box, they either make the box or they don't. So they, <laughs> they more than likely will do it right. And you don't need to jump to a max height yep. to get maximal intent. So we can jump to a low box and I can say, hey, I want you to jump as if your life depends on it. And even though it's a 20 inch box, jump as if it's a max height. Um, so we still get the neural component of it. Um, so I, I think that if I had to like, you know, compartmentalize like those, like the three methods for conjugate to, for me that I can span across like, you know, the population, it would be submaximal effort method, which again is a multiple rep max, um, repeated effort method, which is more of our, you know, I hate to say hypertrophy now because hypertrophy has changed so much with, yeah. with both muscle damage and, and metabolic stress, but that's more of our, our higher rep range work, six to 15. And, you know, you could certainly fit in some, some metabolic stress work in there if you wanted to. And then the other one is explosive strength so some type of variation. I prescribe three sets of three of a plyometric every day at the end of the warmup. Uh, it's like the, the final phase of the warmup sequence three sets of three. It's long paper. It looks like nothing, but if you add that up, it's 54 reps a week, 54 jumps a week. Just for reference, eight, uh, West side barbell does 80 jumps a week. So elite powerlifters do 80 jumps. My everyday athletes do 54 jumps a week. Um, so it's a little, goes a long way. Like you can get an effect from doing a total of 54 jumps, you know, accumulated throughout the week. Yeah. That's, I love that. That's a smart way to go about it because uh, like even every warm up, um, I love doing things like, you know, just extensive plows where you're doing running drills, you know, A skip, B skip, mm-hmm. high knees, all these different things. Because again, if you're doing that for three to four minutes, but you're doing it five days a week, you know, you got 20 minutes of extensive plows. Then you do three or three or three or five. I almost have every, I love contrast training. And I know for, mm-hmm. for folks that, you know, when you read kind of like the, um, the materials would be like, well, that's, you know, to peak. But if I'm training general population, what are they peaking for? You know, I'm just going to manipulate volume and not have it be as much, but I got a time constraint. And if I'm going to do a trap bar deadlift and I'm going to, you know, have a 20 second break, then they're going to have a box jump, right? Like it, it just makes sense. And so mm-hmm. it get, you know, even if, if we got full body sessions or if it's broken up, depending on what type of program we're doing, folks are always going to do something. They're going to jump, they're going to throw, they're going to slam, they're going to, right? They, they may be sprinting. They might be doing full fire, depending on who it is. And it just, it, like you said, it adds up it, and it might not be this full blown, you know, speed and explosive session, but they're going to have sprinkles of it. And over time, like, you know, and you see it in real time where 
they were slow. They couldn't do anything. Four months later, these people are looking more athletic. You know, they right. can, and they'll tell you that. They go like, man, like, like I'm, I'm clearing that box. No problem. I was scared to even jump on it. And mm-hmm. I can do this. I can do that. And I do love this component of it, even though I know it's not as, um, what's the word would be, it's not accessible to everybody, but I love VBT, uh, velocity-based training. Mm-hmm. And what push bands sold to whoop, but I, I love push bands because it was just super easy to put on a, on a barbell, on a trap bar. And then you'd have folks where you could go like, hey, listen, like, you know, they'd lift something at 0.7 meter per second. So they, they have a number like, yeah, hey, I want you right. to go faster, you know, to get 0.8. It's like, yes, you know, I'd be this person that's like 58 mm-hmm. and they're, they're doing speed stuff. Um, now, now we're about to get some gym awares, uh, probably early next year. It's just not accessible to everybody, but if you can't have it, I think it's great for people to have a visual, Mm -hmm. right? Because then just like you said, all right, like folks that aren't that explosive, you got to lower the weight. So you can kind of at least play around with that. Um, and I found that that's another thing that makes people feel like, oh man, like I'm prepping for something. Like I'm I'm an athlete. I've never seen a downside to it if, if you can coach it the right way. And I, th- I think there's benefits to that. Yeah, no, I, I, without a doubt. I mean, that's again, and I, I think that the, the key thing is that a little bit goes a long way. You don't need to spend, you know, an entire session and you don't need to have an inordinate amount of volume for that stuff to work. I mean, there is cumulative, cumulative training effects to doing plyometrics. And I think that it's, you know, I think you, you know, you don't use it, you lose it. That's, that's just how it goes with plyometrics and type two muscle fiber. So, um, having something like that on a regular basis is super, super important. Yeah. I got a, I got a question for you. This sure. is uh it stemmed from, uh, I was talking to Lee Boyce and we're kind of diving into this and, you know, uh, one of the conversations was, uh, he made a really good point. He said, you know, I, I trains at a kind of like a commercial gym and he's like, I got to ask and talk to people that are, that are in their sixties and seventies that are really fit right? That you look at them and they're like, Jesus, like this guy's, you know, he's got muscle, he's lean, he's fit, yeah. he can do stuff. And he'd go like, Hey, what is it? What type of training have you been doing? You know, for the last 15 years to, to, to get insight of wisdom from like, listen, I've asked all these 67 year olds that are super fit. Like, you know, nobody's doing a straight bar deadlift. Nobody's right. right. Do you have one, do you have any people that you're coaching that are like late fifties, sixties, mm-hmm. um, like, what are you maybe changing for them? Cause I, I legitimately think that this is the answer is, you know, most people should probably be doing more of that, but, um, do, do you have any folks like that? And what are those wisdom and insights from you or from you coaching them that they're fit? They don't have their joints beat up. They're looking good. All that good stuff. Yes. I actually just started working with a woman, um, what, six weeks ago. She's actually a, a high level marathon runner. She's 62 years old. Um, so, you know, she's already got a tremendous amount of running volume that she's doing outside of the gym. So my, my goal was, and I, I put her through a full movement assessment, uh, virtually. And my goal with her is, is, is to really, is to align with what she's doing and to not add a level of soreness or not at, not take away from what her main objective is her running. And, um, and she, and she competes at a high level. So you know, she's got a lot of low hanging fruit with just getting stronger. She, she yep. doesn't have a great hip hinge pattern. She doesn't, um, she doesn't have a tremendous amount of strength, you know, systemically. So I need to get her stronger and I need to do it in a way that supports what she's doing outside of the gym. So I have her doing three full body sessions and I do have her pulling the sled quite a bit on the conditioning days. 
Mm-hmm. We don't have her. I don't have her doing any cardiac output work. And, and why? Because she's why, already doing yeah. that on her own, right? She's already got a tremendous amount of zone two work in her training. And she's also got a 54 resting heart rate. So she's doing okay in the, in the heart rate department, as far as her, you know, being able to handle stress, but, um, her program is very, very simple, you know, very foundational movement pattern based. Um, and again, it's, it's three full body sessions are her main strength sessions. And, and, um, I have been working with her a long, long enough to know, but I know that the first block of training went really well. And it was very, you know, her feedback to me was that it's, very, it's more doable than she, what she had been doing in the past. And she's had trouble trying to manage, um, you know, the commitments of both running and then trying to still supplement her running with strength training. So, um, the first, the first block went, went really, really well. I I've got several other clients that are, uh, you know, fifties and even, um, one guy in his early sixties that the biggest piece for them has been this is not come as a shock at all, but number one is the nutrition, really dialing that in and figuring out what is their sustainable approach to eating and tracking and making sure that they are having some level of accountability with what they're putting into their body. And then B, just making sure that their movement patterns are pristine. And there's, we don't, we don't, you know, there's no true, we don't do a true max or go to failure or do a true one RM. Um, max effort method to those folks, for me, the return on investment just isn't there. Uh, you could argue, you know, you know, traditional conjugate would say like, we want to see where breakdown is. I don't want to see where breakdown is yeah. with someone that's 62 years old because they might break, <laughs> literally break. So, um, and you know, I, that, that's not really the case. I mean, we're, you know, minimal essential strain. If you are doing strength training as an older individual, you know, there is amount of strain that's put on your bone that gives you bone density. And that prevents when you take that fall and you break your hip, you know, those people that break their hip, they're probably, there's a level of inactivity there. Um, for sure. And and again, that's, that's just basic, you know, basic physiology. So that's not really the case, but as far as like doing a max deadlift or not, not something I would, I would use. Um, we, we need to do things that are, that are more restorative in nature. And I think that if you're going to pump the volume up on, on anything, which again, that's a question, how much volume is really needed for someone that's 62 years old, you know, finding that optimal dose, number one, and number two, you know, making sure that they can obviously recover from what they're doing. And if you're going to pump the volume up, do it on the smaller exercises, do it on your single joint work, you know, do it on their band work, make them do, you know, an extra, you know, some extra volume with their band exercises where they're not, getting full tension through range of motion. And I think that, you know, side note, it just popped into my head that I've, I've said a lot over the years is that accommodating resistance is a great tool. I think it's an even better tool, um, for managing wear and tear than it is just for speed strength work, because we don't get the full load through full range of motion. If you pull 500 pounds for a deadlift through full range of motion, you're 500 pounds from point A to point B. If you pull 400 pounds plus hundred pounds of chain, you're not, you're 400 pounds, you know, at the bottom and then you're 500 at the top. So there is a reduction in wear and tear there. And I think that, you know, that's a training tool. Invest in that. If you have a home gym and you want to, you know, you also want to deadlift or squat heavy every once in a while or bench press heavy, use accommodating resistance for that because it's going to also, you know, give you the benefits of, of working within the strength curve, but also reduce wear and tear. So I think that that's an understated uh, value of, of using accommodating based resistance. Such a good point. Yeah, because I you, even if like if I post some stuff up, especially on Facebook, there's a lot of followers. People will always comment about that stuff. 
And, it, and it's like, look, because it's like, oh, well, this is advanced. Well, is it, you know, again, if, like, if I can have at the end range of my joint where it's the most kind of vulnerable and unstable, especially things like, you know, deadlift, RDL, bench press, and I can deload it by 20%, 30%. And then I also have to accelerate that movement because that's the other benefit of it, right? And th this person will have to push through those sticking points and create more force, but it's going to be safer. Mm -hmm. Like I got a triple whammy now, right? Like it's, it's exactly. uh, and so I think that's the other part of it. it. I think this is the same conversation. You know, when I say contrast training is like, you can blend it in. It's more effective and efficient. Mm -hmm. And then some truest will be like, ah, oh, it's only for peaking phases. And you're like, oh, you're not, you're not getting where this is coming from. <laughs> Man, social media is an interesting place. I mean, I, I had a guy yeah. the other day that just said that, you know, full body sessions are only for beginners. And which, what's interesting about that is I've actually, I've seen full body to work better for advanced people that have done literally everything. Um, and I, again, I don't work with any beginners. So it's, I see sometimes that, you know, higher training age means might be a more simplistic approach. It might be less volume for that individual. Um, I, I know personally, I know I've got a high training age and I, I have seen less is more. I, I actually, I have never seen, and I don't, I don't know where you stand on this, but I have actually never seen ever in my entire career, more being more ever. No. And I, I think the cell, even, you know, I was going to make the point when I asked you the question about training older people, the, I think the big sell for anybody, you know, if you, if you haven't been training in your 40, the reason why you should start now is because when you can build that great foundation of strength and muscle, the maintenance of it, I mean, I, I was seeing, looking at studies where as, lo, as low as 25 to 30% of volume will maintain your strength and muscle, muscle levels. I mean, think about the, how little that is to, you know, after, now you got to put in years of work though. You got to put in right. years of work. But then you only got to do that to maintain it. And I think that's the win. And even what you were saying is like, these folks, if they're training, we don't have to pummel them in the ground. We're, we're filling buckets, right? Like mm -hmm. the lady that's running, you're filling that bucket. Let's fill up the strength bucket, maybe some explosiveness reactivity bucket right here. Mobility, maybe if you're losing it, let's work on that. So that's the self for me. In my own experience, I've been a four-day a week, lower upper, lower upper guy for, I mean, last 15 years for sure. Mm -hmm. I just switched two months ago. And it, honestly, it was just, I, I just do a lot of stuff. I got, you know, four businesses, I'm coaching, yeah. I'm doing, I'm just doing a million things. And I was like, man, like this is, you know, I really enjoy training, but this is hard to recover from for me. And mm -hmm. so I went to a lower upper full. So it's lower, you know, I do sub max lower, sub max upper, and then I do full body dynamic essentially. Right. I mean, and then I do a fourth day, I just call it weakling training, but essentially it's like, calves, arms, yeah. upper back, you know, pump work that like I, I leave feeling really hot, like so super the CNS is not even phased by it. Right. And right. like my it, literally in two months, the way I'm feeling, my numbers have gone up. And again, you know, you get like, as, as a coach, I know for me too, you get stuck into in, in your thing. Right. Cause I mean, I'm so locked into consistency and I can easily see, you know, again, I, I program full body for so many people. Sure. Um, because some of it I think is too, like, I, I like the upper lower split cause you can kind of push a little bit more and then get rest. But that's a, the, one of the craziest things to say. Cause I think most of the people that we know, I just, you know, uh, I was talking to Ben Bruno, uh, me and Jerry always talking about this. We all program mostly 
full body, you know, whether they're beginner, intermediate or advanced. Yes. And it just works. You know, if you had to put a gun to my head, I'd probably do that, you know? Um, and so I think that's an important thing that there, that Martin Rooney always said this phrase and it stuck with me. Cause it's like, you know, it's uh coaching and training is, is like, it's like jazz, right? You, it's the science and art. You can look at the, the notes on a page, mm-hmm. but they don't make you feel anything. Right. But when you play it, it makes you feel something. And that's the same thing. It's like, look at, look at this program. Uh, you know, look at these exercises, but what makes you feel is the coach, the nuances, the, the communication, the adjustments, you know, and I think people have to learn both. And I, I really don't know, how to learn the art of it if you're not putting in a shit ton of hours coaching. You know, I just, I, if you figure it out, I, I, I have it. <laughs> if I figure it out, I think we'll, uh, I'll think I'll be, you know, on an island, you know, for a bit. Um, but <laughs> there, yeah, there's just no, there's just no way. I mean, there's, you know, uh, I was just having a conversation with my wife and like over the last, you know, two, three years, you know, we've spent a lot of money with working with different mentors and, you know, you know, different, uh, business, you know, people to, to help us with our, you know, the back end side of things, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, it was a very expensive learning, learning curve, uh, because, you know, I just don't feel like whether it be becoming an elite coach or having a great business, there's really just no, you just, you have to, you have to have that time in the trenches. You have to have like that rite of passage. Um, you're not going to learn at the end of the day, like no one knows your business or no one knows your clients the way you do. So no one's got the answer. I don't have the answer for anyone listening. I, I can give you some guidance. Sure. But at the end of the day, like your experience might be vastly different than mine is. Um, and, and, you know, we can certainly share things and share, share mistakes and, and people can, can glean a lot of great information from that. But, um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's really up to, to you guys to, to put the time in. Um, and, and, you know, obviously there's, there's ways to make your time more efficient and you can certainly do things that will lend itself to, to the success of your coaching business in the long run. But, um, there's just no freaking shortcut. And and again, yeah, if you find that out, let me know because, uh, <laughs> shit, I mean, that, that could be very, uh, very profitable, <laughs> you know, but I mean, cause this is the evolution of, you know, again, the evolution of things. You said it like, I'm glad that you said it too, that you've spent, you know, a, a lot of money on the business coaching side, the mentoring side, like same thing. I, you know, if I count those numbers, sometimes it's like, Jesus, right. But it's like, yeah. I'd never take it back because again, and I, I always tell the story, like, uh, it's, it's been quite a few years. I joined a really high level mastermind. I was like 60 grand a year mm-hmm. uh, for that one, you know, and it was, uh, I was, I created this campaign and spent so much time on it, you know? And it's like, hey, is this going to kill it? You know, they're like, oh, it looks good. I test it. You know, I don't know. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm spending so much money. And they're telling me test it. But, I, you know, you learn from it going like, look, even the smartest, you know, Dan Kennedy would probably look at copywriting and go like, this is excellent. I don't know. Maybe it'll flunk. It's like one of the greatest copywriters of all time will tell you that, like, he's not sure. Because at the end of the day, the market tells you, right? And, it, and it's like, you got to do, you got to put in the work. There's just no other way around it. I mean, I think the only shortcut is, you know, learning from people that have been there, getting wisdom and insights, but it's sure. not going to be such a shortcut that now you just don't have to do it. It's just no way. There is no way. And again, you're going to spend a lot of money. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, Jesus, I mean, all the, all the time and, and energy, I mean, even, you know, even certifications and, and, uh, 
you know, uh, you know, I've got a postgraduate degree in, in exercise and, and it's just like, none of that stuff was the, none of it was the, was the, was like the real like crux of, of, of anything for me. And, and honestly, I feel like, again, like, well, how, well, how would I have known that? No one could have told me. Um, and, and of course I've connected with great people over the years and I've got to, you know, pick different people's brains and, you know, seeing like, you know, things that you're doing and see the things that Jay does. Um, and, you know, of course model, you know, get ideas and model certain things, but you, you have to go through that process. Otherwise, I, I think that one thing that we can't control right now, as we sit here, we can control our ability to get someone results, right? So, you know, you're getting people results. I'm getting people results. If you're listening to this and you're coaching, you're, you're not sure if your programs are going to produce results, then do what you need to do. Fuck the marketing. Don't worry Hell about yes. your marketing. Get yes. your programming writing skills on point. Read a textbook, buy a course. I mean, yeah, I, read program, I, 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 read, <laughs> I read Joel's book and then I bought his course and his course is full of stuff. I mean, it's got more stuff than you would need for conditioning. Um, you know, go down the list. I mean, there's, there's so many great avenues out there that you can bring up your knowledge. So if you only have 20 clients, um, uh, you know, to be completely honest, I've got, I work with 20 clients one-on-one right now. If, if I had to, that could be my only business. I charge enough money for 20 clients, um, for that to be my only business and to make, you know, over well over six figures. If you are going after the volume game and you've got, you know, uh, 400 people on your mailing list and 400 followers, it's a very tough game. You want to work with the people that know and trust you. And the way that you can do that is you can get them great results, keep those clients for life and not have to get on sales call. I don't know many coaches that enjoy getting on sales calls. I personally, I hate it, but, um, luckily I don't have to do it that much anymore. And it's, uh, you know, one of those things that, um, when I bring on a one-on-one client, I, I, I really enjoy getting the right people and making that that relationship a long-term relationship. So get your freaking programming writing skills Man. up to par and then, you know, you know, That's you know, obviously a- go through that learning curve and spend the money on the marketing stuff and, and lose money because you're gonna lose money. Um, and be okay with losing money because that's part of the learning curve. But get yourself on point with the small things. I just see so many. I mean, the, the internet is just like full of business experts. None of most of them didn't even have a, an online, you know, coaching business, a successful one. Um, and they're, they're promising, you know, you're going to get all these leads and you're going to make, you're going to be making at least 10 K a month. Well, guess what? If you don't have programming ranks, cause you're, you're not going to make much for long. I mean, you're going to just be on the, the acquisition hamster wheel trying to get new clients all the time. So you can, you have that in your control to become an elite coach as far as like writing a sound program. Man, that's, that's such a powerful point because, well, you did it both ways, but even online, I mean, this, this is one of the things uh, we'll riff on the same point on this one. Yeah. Like the turnover rate on, and you know, this like from the gym versus online, online is way faster. So when people say get X, Y, Z amount of clients, those might be gone in two months, right? At least in the gym, like it's, you have community it's, it's, it's a little easier to keep people for a long, much longer period of time. So you got to be really good at this shit. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, but you can build, like you said, like you got 20 clients, you know, charge a premium because you're doing an incredible job. And like that could be your, you know, successful business. But you got folks over here trying to like, I want to get 30, 40 clients by it. And I'm like, hold up, you have 10 and you deliver incredible like results that will give you word of mouth because 93% of word of mouth still happens offline. 
Even for instance, your clients probably talking to their friend offline going, they're like, Jesus, you look amazing. Moving better. This day. Yep. I'm doing a Jason Brown online coaching. Oh, introduce me to him. Right. I mean, that's how this shit right. goes. Right. And, and folks are just, I think too focused on, you know, that, that kind of uh, shiny object, man. Like, and, and I think you got to really get good at this stuff. And a lot of things will, will definitely take care of themselves. Um, I, I wanted to ask him the last question because I'm sure. always intrigued about like, is there something right now that is ex- exciting you on the learning part of things? Like, meaning you're like, all right, I'm diving into this stuff. It's super cool. I want to know more about it. And I want to integrate it more into my own coaching or even, even our own training. That's a great question. I, I go uh, back and forth right now. Um, I've been, I've been really digging into a lot of Brad Schoenfeld's uh, work, um, Science of Muscular Hypertrophy, his, his textbook. I think there's, there's still a lot to be learned as far as hypertrophy is concerned. And, um, you know, looking into to all three tenets of that, I think, again, there's, there's, there's a lot of information that's still we don't fully know, but that's, that's something I've enjoyed as of recent. Um, and you know, I think one of the other things I always enjoy reading is, uh, I always enjoy kind of going back and looking some of the old stuff that I used to read back in the day, because I look at it with a completely different lens now. Um, whether it be like a, you know, like a, a really dense book, like super training, actually super training. I just looked in the other day and I, had actually marked off this point in the book. I don't, are you familiar with? You must be familiar. Yeah, with I'm, I'm, I geeked yeah. out on it. I've read everything. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, it, it's 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 a very very dense uh, piece of of reading material. For for, has, you know, for this generation, you might look at the book and and, be, and run away. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, mind. I think it's about seven it's about seven hundred pages. And um, so, needless to say, the book is just like littered with marks and. Um, you know, different, different bookmarks I put in. And this, this page I actually had marked off, but I actually went back um, and was looking up. Uh, it was actually something about the aerobic system. And um, I read it again. And I, I know that whatever I read it, whenever it was, it could have been seven years ago now, um, that I, I didn't look at it the same way that I, I looked at it this time around. So I think that going back and looking at some of that information that you learned a long time ago is, is always interesting as far as like just how you've evolved as a coach. And, um, yeah, I would say that's probably about it. I think hypertrophy is, is definitely, it's, you know, it's just funny. Like I always tell people, and I'm sure you feel the same way, but like I've written a lot of programs over the years and I, I look back at a program, even I wrote a year ago and, you know, there are ways that I would improve it today that program is a good program a year ago. Um, but there are things that I would make it better with today. And I think that if you are in the trenches doing this stuff yourself, which I know you, what, one thing I like about you, Luca, is that you always post real videos. And I always tell my wife, like, I don't want to post a video of me demoing an exercise for IG. I want like a real, like I'm actually training when I post those videos. Yeah. I'm actually like doing that training. It is real time training. It's not me just like doing it for the gram. It's real training. And I think it, it's really important to be authentic. And I always like love that you always post like you're actually like really doing the actual training that you're putting out there, which is, which again, you know, I, we should practice what we preach. Right. So I think that, you know, be your own Guinea pig. Don't try to like, just, uh, test something out on a client. Um, I, I know personally, I've, 
there was such a learning curve before writing uh, programming for a CrossFit gym. I mean, there was so many thousands upon thousands of hours of, of doing this stuff on myself before I was ever writing programs for anyone. So um, be your own guinea pig, get in the trenches. Sometimes things on paper don't go the same way when you actually do them. <laughs> yeah, that, that is for sure. No, I'm just saying, I still, you know, as much as I'm still that guy that when I read something, um, you know, I'll jump in on it. Not as much as I used to. I, I used to do, you know, when I was doing Elite FDS and T Nation, I mean, I'd do like eight weeks of somebody's programming and go to the next thing. And it, and it was really good, actually, because I just got to experience so much of it. And some of my best results were, and I remember I was doing uh, the little uh, black book from Christian Thibodeau and just yeah. running through programs and crushing myself. I mean, but it was, you know, so, some of the, the best results. And it also, right, because it gives you real feedback. You're like, holy shit, you know what? For me, because I'm a geek, cool, but I don't, nine second eccentrics for clients, Jesus Christ, like they're, <laughs> they're out of work for two weeks. You know? Right, exactly. Like, so, it, so I think that that's the, the, sometimes the disconnect between coaching is you can read stuff or you respect somebody. And look, those articles too, like we know a lot of those. I mean, I, I know most of the people in that in the golden era wrote for, for T Nation. And, you know, they'd say like, hey, I, they told me to write an article about this. Like I didn't really even test it because it had to be, about yeah. this thing, right? So, but you're like, no, this guy said this. And I'm like, dude, do the program. Like you'll be buried for like three days, you know? So yes. it, you have to really do this to, cause then you, you'd get a quick aha and go like, holy shit, if I gave that to Jerry, he's not coming <laughs> back, right? <laughs> like it's not <laughs> happening. And, and I think there's not enough of that today because, you know, cause it's very, very like, I learned this, I read the book and I love that you're going back and, and reading stuff too. Cause like, I, I mean, I got like, I'm a voracious reader. So I got at home, I got over a thousand books and in the gym, I got another 500. They're all training in this, my podcast room. I'm, I'm uh, at my home right now, but you know, behind me, I got Zesurski and Mel Sif stuff and I'm, you know, going yeah. there and going through stuff and reading it. And again, getting very different, you know, I'm like, man, when I read that last time, that's not what I thought, but now it makes sense. So I think you got to keep doing that, that, that if this is your craft, and I think, I hope that coaches don't get away from the fact that if you went into this industry for this, this is what drew you in. And this is sometimes where I, you know, feel a disconnect and try to um, shine a light on it. It's like, this, this is your craft. This is your skill. Mm -hmm. Don't abandon your skill. It's like, imagine, you know, Kobe's in the, in the league for 17 years and he's just not doing shit. I mean, and I watched that guy in practice, you know, shooting the most basic shots over and over again for hours as if it was day one for him. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why he was great. And like, you know, today it's like, oh, I've been doing some in-person training for two years. Let me go online and, you know, blow up, you know, get hundreds of clients online. And I'm like, you're kind of disrespecting, not kind of, you're disrespecting the craft if you ask me. Um, but it's like, you know, the people that are the best at this, they really truly care about their clients are always learning about, you know, what, like, how can I continue to improve them? Doing, you know, uh, me and Joel are doing this experiment now. You know, he's obviously gone deep into longevity. So like we're spending sometimes three, four hours just digging in and, you know, going to Peter Atia stuff and like, all right, blood works, you know, so now I'm doing all the blood work, the Dexafit, uh, VO2 max test. And again, being our own kind of uh, guinea pigs, but learning through it so that we can get like more insight to do better stuff for, for our clients, whether it's on in, in the gym or online. And I, I think that the moment that you start losing that, uh, you know, you got, you got to figure, you got to kind of reattach yourself to why did you start doing this in the first place? You know, um, 
that, I mean, that's super telling someone like you, you've know, been in the industry a really long time and, and super successful is still being in the trenches and, and trying to learn more. I mean, you know, that, that just speaks volumes. I mean, there's, there's just, where, when are we done learning? There, there's so much to be learned. And I think that, uh, again, I see a lot of coaches investing in the business side of things when they haven't got the programming side of things figured out yet. And again, you know, in the online space, you're competing against me and me, you, and, you know, guys that have been doing this a long time. So, you know, your clients, if you're going to go 100% all in on online can work with anyone. Um, so there should be a, a, a you know, a, a definitive reason why they should work with you. And of course there's, there's always advantages, you know, you might have people that know you and trust you, or maybe you owned a gym. Um, but I think that, you know, immerse yourselves and there, there's just so much yeah, material at our fingertips. Like I always like tell people like the, for me, how I, one of the main reasons, and, and you actually just alluded to this was, was, um, looking at other people's programs, buying programs, um, reading their programs, like reading through programs and teen nation articles, um, buying their books and, you know, even doing the programs doing, yeah. I mean, how many Christian Timothy programs have I done? Um, I worked with Christian, he was my coach, uh, for, for a while back in, oh. you know, 2017, 2018. Um, you know, and I, I, I've got stories like that for a lot of people. I've done probably every Chad Waterbury program on teen nation from like 2004 on. Uh, so <laughs> there's just so much that you can do to figure out what it is that is the voice for you and the voice being your programming, how you, you know, the methodology that you, uh, become, you know, a subject matter expert in, and you might have a completely different take on it than, than, than you or I, but that might be the reason that, that separates you. Maybe you, maybe you are the, you know, the guy that works with, you know, 55 plus women that are trying to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, that's, that's a niche, right? That's, that's a place for someone to focus. And rather than trying to, um, you know, get kind of sidetracked and try to like skip that step, immerse yourself in the things that you're most interested in and, and just, you know, take it all in. Cause there's just so much at our, I mean, now it's easier than ever. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't, we didn't have access to those things where we could, I mean, I could have got, I could have saved time and not even gone to college or, or graduate school and, and then learn more uh, with the ability to, to immerse yourself in the stuff that's online with courses and things like that. It's just insane these days. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a two-edged street, right? Because I, I'm so glad that we had to, because I went to, you know, I went to everything live. It was like, you'd read the articles. My, my first, um, I, I went to a seminar, it's like 17, 16, 17 years ago in Birmingham, England. I was still playing pro basketball and I was, uh, you know, reading all the Teen Nation articles like, oh, Eric Cressy is going to be in uh, Nick Grantham or putting something on, you know, went out there, bought all his products. Uh, that's how I met Eric for the first time. Like then, about a year later, went to his uh, first facility, right? And like, mm -hmm. and again, I was, was training there for 10 days straight. Yeah. That you could, you know, but you could, again, because to me, it was like, how do I go to the source? But now it's like, well, how many products do you want? Which course do you want? Live this, like that. And look, that's, I think it's great. But, uh, but if you go too far away from that, I still think the you learn the most by being around people. I mean, I was, you know, I've done 200 plus something live events. We do tons of them at, at our gym, which is great. But you see it, you see the assessments, the coaching, the hands-on stuff, like it's just so much more immersive and in-depth. And you, you just can't get some of that online. I mean, you just can't yeah. get it. So, totally. I, you know, to me, it's like, man, go intern, go learn, go pay, 
go pay. This is, this is a big one too, for me is like pay, you know, the best coach in your area and go train with them. Like, you know, Hey, here's the eight sessions, however much it is. Yeah. You'll learn more in that, in that time frame than you would, I don't know, you know, doing whatever else. Right. Cause that you're investing that person and you're getting all the behind the scenes stuff. So more, more of that. And I promise you, it'll be the best investment that, you know, that you ever made. Um, and also go get Jason's course. Cause it's phenomenal. <laughs> and it's, it's, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to let you in on a, on a little secret. It's underpriced. Go get it. Go get it. Cause it's fire. But, uh, on that note, bro, I, I could talk to you for, I mean, I, we're yeah, definitely gonna have you back on the show cause we could, we could riff so much, but, uh, I, I definitely want to make sure that people know where they can find out more about you. Um, I want to highly encourage folks to like, listen, when you got somebody like Jason writing articles, I mean, you could go through his articles and be a better coach in the next three months by reading hundreds mm-hmm. of his articles, like straight up. Um, and, but I, but I want to make sure that everybody knows where they can find out more about you, uh, any products, courses, anything else that you've got going on. Yeah. So you can go to Jason coach, uh, Jason coaching, Jason Brown coaching.com is my website. And, and on there, I've got articles, I've got YouTube videos, um, you know, I've got a column on elite FTS. I've written, I don't know how many articles for T nation, but, um, the, the latest and greatest stuff is on my site and on elite FTS. And, uh, like Lucas said, there's, there's just, there's so much there that you could just go through. And a lot of the stuff, um, that I've written about is conjugating conditioning. So, you know, anything you want to learn about, if you're interested in, in a concurrent way of training, that's sustainable and will get people results for the rest of their life. Check out that system of training. It is, it is, uh, it is, it is super cool. If you want to try the training, I've got a subscription on train heroic. You can try a week for free. It's a, it's 27 bucks a month. It's basically free. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you can do that and it's, it's in a beautiful app and it is, it's phenomenal. Latest and greatest programming. Um, I, I you know, uh, the follow the programming I've, I've done all the programming to be honest, uh, well in advance, which again, we've already, you know, talked a lot about that. So that is a, a great place if you're looking to gain that practical knowledge. Um, and then the course I have is called the Programming Playbook. And it is literally my life's work. I mean, it's, it's uh, if I, it's, it's funny, I've gone through so many iterations of it. I thought like, oh, well, number one, how did I learn how to write good programs? And number two, like, what would have I wanted? And the thing for me that I would have wanted was everything in one place, strength and conditioning. And like a library of these methods, like how do you use the cardiac output method? What is the place you'd use it? How do you use it? What does programming look like? Um, and, and on top of that, having actual, you know, some, some very fundamental exercise science. And again, you don't need to have a dissertation yeah. of the nervous system, but you need some fundamentals, right? Um, and, you know, I'm a big believer and I, I, I think that, you know, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on an education, which I have done is, is, uh, is not needed. Um, I think that you can, you can get more than I got from a, a graduate degree in exercise science from my course and not to, you know, do a sales pitch, but it, it's true that there's more in that than I got in, you know, a graduate, a postgraduate degree. So, um, everything is there. And the best part is, is that you could take action and not have to be like, well, how do I put this in? Yep. Well, this is cool, but how does this apply? Like, no, here's, I'm going to show you how I'm going to show you exactly how to do it. And now you just got to go execute on it. And I think that the best place would be to execute on yourself first, run yourself through it, see how it goes. And then not only does that broaden your horizons, but it's going to make you give you the ability to explain that and to get that buy-in as we talked about from your clients. Hell yes. 
check that out because again, listen, it, there's taking it from all the knowledge that you have to practical is an art. And, uh, you've done an incredible job with that. So I highly encourage anybody to check that out, brother. Thank you so much. This Thanks, was man. I appreciate you saying that. And, um, look, I'm, there's no way that we're not going to riff more. <laughs> I got, cause I got like another 22 questions from, from just our conversation right now. Appreciate you and tune in guys to the next bigger life podcast. Peace out.